Did you see Ashley text you the amount she approved for me to spend in the Calcutta? <laughs> Is that what that was? <laughs> I, we were eating lunch, and I said, uh. <laughs> "I said, uh, what do you think is a good amount for me to set a budget for the Calcutta?" And and she just says zero, and then I guess she group texted us zero. <laughs> so that was that was that. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. We're going to make some U.S. Open picks and share our thoughts on the merger heard around the world. If you were tuned into CNBC Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific time, boy, did you get a surprise. The announcement was made, Nick. Live PGA, DP World Tour, they're all friends now. They figured it out. I, You sent me this, and I, I could not believe it because, number one, I'm like, why the hell would CNBC of all, of all outlets be breaking this news? And every single thing that happens with Liv, like there's rumblings, Phil says something that like sounds crazy, but then makes perfect sense. And like, none of this stuff is happening. And I'm like, this is out of nowhere, but sure enough, it appears to be true. We're going to touch on it a little bit. Don't want to go into it too much because anything regarding this is probably going to date like spoiled milk. So we'll just share our thoughts on the initial announcement details could be springing up that we're unaware of as you're listening to this we're also going to make picks for the u.s open hey we got a major this week huh our national championship what a time to be alive before we get to any of it please rate and review the podcast let us know who is going to win the u.s women's open in july at pebble beach do that either on spotify which i probably gotta check or apple podcasts if you're the first to identify the winner you're going to be sent a box of piper golf balls green blue Gold, black, the sampler, whatever you want. Piper Golf is coming your way if you identify the winner of the U.S. Women's Open. Before we get to the merger, Nick, more importantly, how is your golf game? It's time for the Handicap Report. It's brought to you by Blue Tees. Last-minute gifts for grads and dads. That's right. It's Father's Day this Sunday. No better way to show the golfer in your life you care than the number one rangefinder, the Max 3 from Blue Tees. Water-resistant, has pulse vibration when you lock in on the correct target, and a magnetic strip so you can slap it on your cart. Save 10% when you use promo code TURN at checkout. That's TURN, T-U-R-N, for 10% off any product at BlueTees.com. Show the old man or young Sparky in your life how much you care with Blue Tees. Blue Tees. Play different. Are you playing different, Nick? I am playing different. Oh, in a good way? In a good way. Well, there was there was no worse way to play different um, than the start of my season. But now, I got a text from your wife about this while I was at a Portland Pickles game, and she said, there may be hope for you yet. Nick made two birdies, and I was very excited to receive this message. What happened? That's it. I made I made two birdies. I hit one green regulation. I made two birdies. Um, I shot for the second straight week. I shot my lowest round of the season. Let's so go. I, I shot a 93. Um, so we're trending in the right direction. Um, I'd still like great. to be shooting in the mid 80s. But there is, I would say there's definite reason to be optimistic. 
Uh, my handicap did go up yet again. Mm. Uh, it's it's twenty two point mm. five now. This is yes. this is not news. I I feel comfortable sharing in a public space like this, but it just is what it is. If you if you close your eyes and and picture twenty sticky notes, right? And there are there are orange and there are green sticky notes, and the green sticky notes are the rounds that are counting towards my handicap, and the orange ones are the the twelve rounds that don't count towards my handicap. So you've got the two most recent sticky notes are green, and then the six most outdated sticky notes are green, and everything in between is orange. So basically what I'm saying is, yeah. even though I'm playing better right now, I'm replacing like mid to low 90s rounds with mid to low 90s rounds. So the handicap isn't necessarily going down, but look, there is reason to be optimistic. It's a long way it of saying me, it's 22.5. Makes me very excited, inching toward the, the bronze flight with every stroke we make. I'm still at a 10.2. I've made a decision. Um, I played a- To not a, play a, golf? Yes. I, I, I made a, I, I played a nine-holer with my dad and younger brother um, at par three. Did not count towards the score. I had a clean 28, one over, um, hit seven greens, made one bogey, left with confidence- I'm taking Lacey's six-year-old nephew. We're going to play a par three this weekend. Also not going to count. I was going to play a practice round prior to the corner club open. I'm not doing that either. I'm just going to show up. I'm really, I'm I'm not, you know what, Nick? I have a pickles game the Thursday, the night before I'm going to have a leisurely Friday morning. I'm going to leave here about 11 o'clock rolling to Moscow at dinner time. Have a couple beers, enjoy some barbecue, call it an early night and see what happens on Saturday. That's the plan as of right now. And I'm, Really excited about that. Okay. Well, I'm at a 10.2. This, this can be a conversation for off the pod, but cocktails at my, my father's establishment the Friday of. So that's, that's a can't, can't guarantee you, you'll be getting an early bedtime. But um, no, that's you know, honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm that's surprised. the only thing I want to be locked in for on Friday is okay. hanging out at your dad's place and drinking a few beers in the backyard. As long as I'm doing that, my pre tournament preparation is set. Okay. That's great. I mean, I will also not be playing a practice round. I'll be playing great. my last round of golf before the tournament this coming weekend. And um, so, yeah, interesting. That's the, our handicaps are what they are. Then I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Um, my significant other knows how much I spent on the Calcutta. She listened to last week's episode. Um, I wouldn't say she was upset. She was just confused. She was confused. She's like, you took $600, you handed it to a man and said, You're, I'm going to win this golf tournament. And I said, yes. And she's like, interesting. <laughs> I know what that means. So that is the handicap report. It's probably going to be the same next week because we'll be in Idaho. Um, yeah, interesting to see how things go. That's us. Enough about us. Nick, there was some news in men's professional golf last week. As we said, the tours are merging. Um, I haven't really gotten your thoughts on this other than a few snide texts. So what do you think about this? Um, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of thoughts. I'm not going to try to break it down. But one of my one of my no. reactions that it probably is better suited for this podcast because this won't necessarily date itself that Evergreen quickly. Thoughts. Is, yeah. What do you think this does for Phil's? legacy i think he spent the last two years 
lighting his legacy on fire, undoing all of the goodwill he's uh, he's accumulated in the last 30 years. But now the more of these kind of Phil was right moments that that are are coming along, the more it's like, ah, you know what? Maybe we can maybe we can like Phil again. Um, is that where this takes us? I mean, I think people are trying to evaluate legacy in real time, which is always very difficult to do. I think when Phil finished second in the Masters and when he was shooting that lights out round on Sunday, I never thought to myself, I'm not enjoying this because Phil is the reason the Live Tour exists. I was just excited because Phil was my favorite golfer for a long time, still is in many ways, and he was doing something that was nearly unprecedented. It was it was amazing. I think Phil's legacy, independent of this merge, independent of live was going to be what it is. Um, I don't think it's going to be impacted in this. I don't think anyone wins in this other than golfers are going to get a lot of money who haven't, they're going to get more. Um, you know, obviously the influence of the Saudi government is just what is happening now in not only golf, but soccer, um, their tentacles are everywhere. And that's just kind of the way it is. My reaction to this, Nick, is I feel like really naive and dumb for thinking that this was going to shake out any other way. I feel dumb for thinking that there was good guys in this, that there was bad guys in this. There isn't. There's no heroes and villains. There's just money and people who have it and people who want it. And that's all this is. And I do think that some people took a moral stand that are now forced to either be a hypocrite or not play professional golf. That's that's position a lot of people are in, and this is this is what it is. Um, I'm not mad. I just feel stupid and naive for thinking that there was anything other than this is the end result. And honestly, I also feel kind of dumb because you've pointed out a few times in this podcast, um, very articulately, I thought, where a lot of the big name pros would go and play in Saudi Arabia in January right? They were already participating in this to a degree. A lot of the sponsors of a lot of these big PGA Tour events are tied up in Saudi money. Big banks have Saudi money as backers. A lot of these major American corporations are already tied up. So we could fool ourselves into thinking that Saudi money wasn't already in golf and major professional sports, but it was. This just makes it more on the surface. So again, I don't feel mad. I just feel stupid. It's well, it's well put. It's well put. Um, I'm sure we'll be able to speak about this a lot more. Sure, later, as details more details come out, you know, when the kind of the dust has settled. And I mean, it, it sounds like Jay Monahan himself doesn't even know what it's going to look like. Some people are saying it's a huge win for Liv. Others are saying that Liv is not going to exist anymore. And it's like yeah. every, like literally, no, in, no the entire knows. spectrum is still open to you know, it's still out there. It's still possible. So, yeah, let's talk about it again in November. I agree. The whole thing, the way it went down was was pretty wild. Um, you know, I think a lot of the speculation is that it occurred when it did um, because it was going to leak and they wanted to announce it rather than there being, you know, a New York Times report that came out. So they just came out without details because this would have been better than it sort of leaking out to the press with the U.S. Open on the horizon and all this sort of stuff. Clearly, there was no player involvement um, you know, obviously they're talking a lot about players like Hideki, players like Ricky, guys are turning down hundreds of millions of dollars. What's going to happen to them now that that's all one prize pool? 
I mean, getting to the golf aspect of it, Nick, I just, I just don't give a shit about these team events, man. I, I don't, I don't care about the four aces and the fireballs and the crush. Maybe that comes to the PGA tour. Maybe this is a, this is just what it's going to be going forward. But I always found that element of it so hokey and dumb, like live golf is what it was. I think there was some, you know, exciting moments or whatever, but like, I don't give a shit about the four aces or the crushers, the cliques. Do you, did that ever appeal to you? It does. It does. I, it does. I, I've got to be honest. I haven't watched, I think like maybe of the first two or three live tournaments that were ever played. Um, I turned on a couple, maybe like a combined one hour of viewing. Um, so I haven't watched live. I don't think at all this year, but I, w- I gotta be honest, like having that team leaderboard on there and having everybody on the course at the same time, I, I did appreciate that as a viewer. I could take in a lot more golf. I mean, I'm coming at it from the perspective of like, I might have one hour, on like a Sunday afternoon to watch golf, right? And if if it's a tournament is a runaway, it's not interesting. Like, you know, I'm not going to watch. But in this, you know, context where everybody's playing, even if the individual, you know, leaderboard is a runaway, the team aspect, it was kind of fun. The team aspect moves. It's a lot more fluid than like a four-stroke lead on the back nine on Sunday. So I did find that interesting. And they'd show a guy and he's, you know, two over for the day, but it's like, well, if he makes birdie here, like, that that puts you know I, I don't know I, I did kind of like the team aspect coming from the perspective of somebody who is not watching three straight days of golf like I just want like the shortest mm. digestible snippet and to find some layer of entertainment within that so I did kind of like that interesting yeah um, one thought that occurred to me it'll be interesting to see what happens to David Faraday now since he was all in and lived does he just like go back to CBS I'm curious how all that shakes out clearly. A lot more details to come. Do you have anything to add on it right now? I don't know how much really more we can say because it's such an evolving situation. And yeah, th- this will be kind of a time capsule. Like, you know, sure. listen to this in six months and this will all sound crazy. Um, I kind of think that live may just continue to exist. Like there will be live in the st- form that it's in, PJ Tour in the form that it's in, and the DP World Tour in the form that it's in. And maybe there's more fluidity to go, you know, to compete in both or, or whatever that is. Um, but I don't necessarily see why this would have to end live or end like Faraday could still broadcast live, you know, maybe live gets a more favorable TV deal. Um, you know, I think it'll probably get a lot of benefit of the doubt that it hasn't been getting because you've had Monahan and you've had people kind of say, you need to take a moral stand. Um, and now there's far fewer people who will be, you know, kind of forcing that. Um, so they'll probably get some favorability, but I don't see why live in its current format, there couldn't be an aspect of team golf. It's like, hey, you want to go play on a team? You can play for live. If you just want to play individual stuff, go to the PGA Tour. Like, I, I don't know. That seems like that could happen. It probably won't, but I don't see why that wouldn't be on the table. I guess you never answered that question to to kick this off, and then we can move on to the U.S. Open. But do you think it affects Phil's legacy? Yeah, I do. I think I I took kind of an opposite stance from you. Like, I I really did let. Phil's last two years, like infiltrate, like how I view him. Like I really was like, I thought, you know, two years ago, he was great. He was, he just won the PGA championship. He was like, he was, you could make, build a statue of Phil. And then two weeks ago, you know, or especially before this year's masters, like Phil's a joke. He's completely, he's complete clown. He's on Twitter. Like, what is he even doing? He just seems like such an idiot. Um, But now, this isn't the first time it's happened, but a few things have come out where he looked, he looked crazy. And then 
after the fact, like he actually looked smart and like he was ahead of this saying like, this is going to change golf. Like it, it needs to be shaken up. It needs to be better. And if we look back at this in five, 10 years and, and professional golf is better, it is going to, a lot of that is going to come back to Phil. So he won't look as crazy and as stupid and as, as out there as I thought that he had up until, you know, this spring. Do you view when everyone says this is good for golf, other than the reunification of the best players in the world playing at the same time more often and more money to me, good for golf and growing the game are just euphemisms for more money being injected. We're going to get more money. More money is going to be on the line. What, what else do you think that means besides that? Yeah. I mean, good for golf. If you're saying it's good for golf, you're saying there's more money. I don't necessarily think that it's good for golf because you've got, because of, because of the source of the money, right? Like I don't think having like, this regime's, you know, endless money in golf is necessarily what golf needs or wanted, especially if you look back like three or five years ago, like I think there was probably a path for it to be just as successful on its own. Um, But in that same breath, like theoretically up and coming pros who are struggling on tour to try to like make ends meet and, and earn their way onto tour, like maybe it's better for them, which is good. But like, I'm not necessarily buying the narrative like this is great for golf. Yeah, sure. Like if we want to watch, you know, Brooks and DJ go against Rory and Spieth, like it, that, this is good for that happening more than four times a year. But, you know, it's not just blanket like this is good for golf or blanket. This is bad for golf. OK, let's leave it at that. We'll move on to the United States Open Championship. Nick, are you excited for this major? Of course, I am. I'm very excited for it. It's at the Los Angeles Country Club. It's the first U.S. Open in L.A. in 75 years. The North Course, which is where they'll be playing, underwent a massive renovation in 2010, hosted the Walker Cup in 2017. Interesting course. The fairways are going to be among the widest in modern open history. The rough will not be incredibly thick. I've heard described as a wisp of Bermuda rough hmm. and perhaps play more similar to a British open than a U.S. open. So it should be a very interesting venue. I guess the par threes are absolute monsters. I saw a stat like out of the par threes, they're going to average something like 230 or 40 yards. They're going to average that. And one of those holes is 120 yards. So yeah, I know it doesn't quite make sense to me either until it's, it's going to be wacky to see. Everything you were saying was like, wow, the USGA has has really taken some accountability and some self-awareness and like not making these things hokey. And then you say, okay, there's going to be four par threes. They're going to average 230. One of them is 120. I'm doing the math. Like, why are you going to have 280-yard par threes? Like, like, <laughs> like, medium to short hitters should not have to be pulling driver on a par three. Well, if they there's say like a, I don't know. I don't really know the course, but based on what you're saying, sure. there's going to be some 250 plus par threes to 280, 275, I'm guessing. And if they're if they're protected by front bunkers, you're not going to be able to hit like you're going to see. I don't know. I don't well, know if you'll see drivers, but you'll see some three woods. That would be amazing. Some of um, the way I've seen the course described is you sort of have to use the ground, right? Where you have you have to land it short and run it up rather than just play target golf. We'll see how much that bears out, but I think that's how they're going to try to set up this golf course. Um, Interesting. Nick, you almost did it. You almost got halfway through the men's major season 
and we're perfect. Unfortunately, that pesky Brooks Kepka, uh, neither of us decided to pick him <laughs> to win the PGA Championship. He did. So you're doing much better at this than me. Do you want to start with your dark horse? Yeah, before I, I'm going to start with the dark horse, but I, I have a Caveat. pre-dark horse. Okay, a I've got dark, three dark guys, a dark, dark, a dark, dark trifecta. Mm. If you put, just like, take $5 and divide it up between these three, and if one of them now hits, like, you'll be, it'll be juicy. Patrick Harrington, the longest yes. hitting old guy in the history of ever. I love that pick. Two two-time major champion? More than Three. that? At least two. Three-time major two champion. Two opens in a PGA. 300 to one. <laughs> I He's love probably it. not going to win, but 300 to one. I love it. JT Poston, 250 to one. This guy won on the PGA JT Tour like, in the last 24 months. <laughs> and Francesco Molari. Yes. 150 to one. A recent major champion. 150 to one. Sprinkle a few bucks on those three. Maybe it'll get interesting. On to my dark it. horse. I love it. At 130 to one, just oh. outside of that group, a very recent major champion and a runner up in a major this year. <laughs> the guy Stop whose it. legacy were just 130 to one for Phil. Mickelson, he's okay. going to be riding so high into this U.S. Open. He's going to be more motivated than ever with less pressure than ever. His outfits are going to be insane. He, he, he is going to dress to so one. crazy. I know. The man who is the most famous loser of this tournament in the history of golf is 130 to 1. I love it. Look, Phil winning the U.S. Open, there would not be a bigger story on planet earth if, if phil actually got it done now what would okay so the sunday of the u.s open is going to be during the final round of the corner club open what if phil is making a sunday charge are you going to be focused on the corner club or are you focused on phil how would i even be like i'm not going to be on my phone scrolling through a u.s open leaderboard uh regardless okay. of what's happening yeah no. okay and i think yeah. I'm happy to know that. I think that. it'll finish. If he's making a Sunday charge, we'll be off the golf course by then. We're teeing off at like 930. So so we better we'll be, be uh, done by the time that last that last group is, <laughs> is on the back nine. So I love that pick. My dark horse, 150 to one. Lost in a playoff at the Memorial. Got bit of a big game hunter for not having won on the PGA Tour. My man has seven career major starts. He's made six cuts, tied for seventh last year at the Country Club in the U.S. Open. Number 35 in the world, 150 to 1, Denny McCarthy. Now, a couple bucks on the win, maybe, but top 10, top 20 for this young man, I, I think those are really good, a really good bet. He'll be like probably 8 to 1, 9 to 1 for a top 10. He'll probably be like 4 to 1 for a top 20. I'm loving yeah. that bet. Yeah, Denny McCarthy. That's my dark for horse. One fifty to one. That's that's so good. <laughs> I'm pretty happy about that one. Okay, I've got a contender. Contender. He is a another multiple major champion. Mm. I've got him at twenty five to one. He's in the top ten in the world. It is Jordan Spieth. Oh, I thought I thought long hard about him. He's he's quietly having a decent season. Like he lost in a playoff at the Heritage, 
He's mm-hmm. played well the last few weeks. I think he had a good finish at the Memorial. He's just been kind of hanging around. And that's how when Spieth had that crazy year and he won those two majors and with the British Open, it's the same. I mean, he dominated the Masters. But when he won at Chambers and when he won the British Open, he just kind of hung around and did Jordan Spieth shit until he won the tournament. I love that pick. What's his number again? Yeah. 25 to 1? 25 to 1. He's 10th in the world. He finished 4th in the Masters. Yeah, he's... he's. Um, I, li- I like that. He's knocking on the door. I, li- I like that pick a lot. Who you got? My contender. Oh, do you have more on Jordan? No. My contender. Local guy. Went to UCLA. Top 15 in the U.S. Open the last two years. Number four in the world, not the best major record, but maybe a little home cooking. For the slowest golfer on the planet at 16 to 1, Patrick Cantlay. He killed me Sunday of the Memorial. He's had some bad Sundays this year. I've been on him a couple times, and he just shit the bed on Sundays. Feels like could be some home cooking. A guy who knows the course, a guy who seems to have a good fit for a U.S. Open where he just does his thing and seems dead to the world around him. So I got Pat, Pat Cantlay as my contender. at six. I, I don't love 16-1, to one, to be honest. I think he's like the fifth betting favorite. I wish it was in the 20s, but look, I got to get a winner eventually. <clears throat> he is number four. I, I like that pick. I actually, I, I thought long and hard about that. Um, I, I did decide, you know, maybe this isn't the week, but no, I think that's I think that's a good pick. If it weren't win? for the the winner of the U.S. Open this year, I think we all know it's it is going to be Scotty Scheffler. It's pretty obvious <sighs> he's okay. number one in the world. He he has finished outside the top ten once since <laughs> yeah. since February, um, and that yeah, was dude. a tie for eleventh. He he won the he players, almost won the PGA, he <laughs> won the Phoenix Open. He finished second in the PGA. He finished third in the Charles Schwab Challenge. He finished. Fourth in the match play. He finished fifth in the Byron Nelson. It's like, it, it's it's almost like, like statistically wise, he's probably going to win. Like just every week he's in the top five. Yeah. You're going to win one fifth of those. And he's got a, a, a second, a third, and a fifth in his last three starts. The only seven and a half to one though. So, so yeah. Betting favorite. Be um, someone put it well, and we may have said it on this podcast, but. Rom and, and Scotty have been battling for the number one spot basically all year. And the difference between these guys is when Scotty and Rom are playing their best, Rom's going to win. But when Rom doesn't have his best, Scotty is going to win. Scotty doesn't play well in tournaments and finishes second or fourth. Like at the Memorial, he almost got into a playoff by shooting 67. He missed the playoff by one shot. And the first day, I think he shot like 75. He just hangs around in tournaments. He's the best chipper in the world, best chipper and pitcher in the world. And if Scotty makes putts, he's so tough to beat. He just hangs around, wears you down. He's the most consistent golfer in the world by a mile. His worst, the difference between his floor and ceiling is so, it's basically him making putts. That's the difference. I love Scotty Scheffler. That's exactly what it is. And I think we've talked about it before. When a guy is just a hot putter away, He's really dangerous. And at the Memorial, I believe Scotty Scheffler finished last in strokes gained putting. He was first by like five strokes in tee to green and ball striking and all that stuff in last strokes gained putting. You know what that means? He's going to spend all of his U.S. Open prep 
putting. He doesn't need to dial in that ball striking. It's already the best in the world. He's going to come in with a hot putter and, and he's going to win. I don't think he is, Nick. The okay. winner of the 2023 U.S. Open. It has been written since January. This guy has been not talked about recently. A bit off the radar. He's rounding back into form. Two top tens in his last three starts. So few guys know this course well. My winner is one of them. He owns the course record. He shot a 61 at this joint back when he was in Cal. Seventh in the world. One earlier this year, notably, has a piss-poor major record. What better place than to erase all of that than one of your favorite golf courses in your own backyard where the vibes are high? And somehow, you're the guy who has the course record and you're coming in under the radar. Unbelievable. The winner at 20-1, to Max Homa. We've been talking, people, this has been a a, a narrative since January that Max Homa was going to play well at this U.S. Open, but the Scotty and the Rahm of it all have buried him a little bit. He hasn't won, I think, since January or February, finished second in Phoenix. He's been playing better lately, but he just hasn't been the sexy character that he was a few months ago, which I think helped lower his odds a little bit. I'm on Max. I think Max is the guy. That would be as entertaining of a U.S. Open almost as if Phil winning. Phil winning is probably number one. Max Homa is is probably the number two entertaining scenario. And speaking of good for golf, I mean, he's such a popular figure. I can just see him hoisting that trophy on Sunday and being the guy. A couple of things that are not winner-related that I do want to float out to the people. This one is very, very exciting to me. Justin Thomas to miss the cut in this U.S. Open. Put some money on it. There's something wrong with JT. He's been missing cuts this year. He's had a couple of backdoor top 10s. Not the Justin Thomas we know. There's some weirdness going on with Bones. His odds are going to be like four four to one. If you bet him to miss the cut, you're going to get like four to one on that. Please do that. And once again, somehow, for the third consecutive major, we have not taken the best major performer of 2023, Brooks Kepka, who was 12 to 1 to win this golf tournament. I have to say that out loud. If Brooks goes out and wins this US Open by four, I'm going to feel um, pretty silly, which is an entirely possible scenario. Did you consider Brooks? Ah, uh, not seriously. I looked at him, mm. looked at his numbers, and I said, ah, not this time, Brooksy. How many Americans have beaten Brooks in majors this year, to quote your own stat at you? It's it's zero. It's zero. Zero Americans have beaten Brooks in majors this year. Okay, my picks once again. Dark Horse, Denny McCarthy, Contender, Patrick Cantlay, Max Homa as my winner. Nick, what were yours? I've got Phil Mickelson as my dark horse. Maybe he shouldn't even be a dark horse. I've got Jordan Spieth <laughs> as my contender at 25 to 1. And Scotty Scheffler, just 7.5 to 1. He is your 2023 U.S. Open winner. You being perplexed at Phil's odds to win the U.S. Open, I think, is a great bit. That makes me happy. And that's your U.S. Open. It should be a fun one. I think it's going to be a cool venue, um, not one we're familiar with. So it should be a fun learning experience for everybody. With that, Let's move on to the Mad Golfer of the Week. It's brought to you by Piper Golf. Use the promo code TURN10 at checkout 
For 10% off everything at Piper.golf, golf balls for plus ones and 25s for much, much less than a Titleist or Callaway. The season is here. Stock up using promo code TURN10 at checkout at Piper.golf. Nick, we are short and sweet this week with the Mad Golfer. I've got two, both from the LA Country Club. These are these are two of my favorites. They're both one sentences. The first one is from Alex Vibes. He says, quote, parking sucks. The people suck. The food sucks. <laughs> That's it. That's a two-star review from That's Alex so Vibes. And then perhaps the best review of a golf course I have seen to date from Nolo. Six words. Here it is. Quote, they don't have no pinball machines. <laughs> that had ten. That had ten likes on Google reviews. People love that. So if you're going to LA Country Club expecting to hit the flippers, you are going to be very disappointed. They don't have no pinball machines. Alex Vibes and Nolo, congrats! You are our Mad Golfers of the Week. It is now time for Nick Rules, brought to you by Matchstick Golf. Use promo code TURN20 at checkout or come to a Pickles game and pick up a Dylan T. Pickle Matchstick Golf Ball Marker. They're beautiful. What do you got, Nick? Well, Joe, you know the U.S. Open is uh, is open to anyone. And uh, if mm. you are an amateur golfer and your handicap is low enough, you can try to qualify for the U.S. Open. When we recently no. had golf's longest day, the 36-hole qualifying where almost all of the qualifiers are hosted in one day a total of 10,187 people entered to qualify for the u.s open 645 advanced to golf's longest day Mm. and 45 of those made it through to the u.s open good luck to all the qualifiers the exempt players the amateurs the uh everybody who went through qualifying Came up short. Doesn't matter. Good luck to everybody. Michael Block missed it. He didn't make it. Our boy from the PGA. Well, what a, what a shock. Did his son make it? I know he wasn't qualifying, too. Um, so $0 is your Calcutta budget, just to be clear? Um, I think that's still negotiable. <laughs> sure. We're still, we're still negotiating. Everybody, enjoy the U.S. Open. We can do it. We can do it. Bronze division, we're coming for you. No prep. Let's win that bronze division. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn.